week on the OTCB podcast, we're talking the new look stealth. Dane and Evie are going to go down to the wire. Records were made to be broken. Reese Dutch is going to stop by. The NLL is all over Snapchat. The Victoria Shamrocks alumni John Crowther game was an incredible time. And it's week 18. You know what that means. It's the final countdown. What's up, lacrosse fans? Welcome back to another edition of the OTCB podcast. My name is Teddy Jenner, and this is NLL Radio. Thanks for stopping by. It's been um, another great day out here uh, on Vancouver Island. Sunny, hot. Probably going to go golfing once or twice this week. I'm just telling you, it really is the best place to be. Just try it sometime. There's some good lacrosse here in the summer. Good golf, good water sports, hiking, mountains, awesome food, and me. That's probably the least last thing you want to come and see when you come here. Anyway, uh, that was the weirdest, weirdest open ever. But a great sales pitch for YYJ Tourism. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me here at the show, you can. Uh, you can email me, teddy.jenner at gmail.com, or you can find me on the old Twitter box, at off the crossbar. Can you believe it? It's week 18 already. We are in the last week of the National Lacrosse League season, and it is really legitimately coming right down to the wire as we will go almost right to Sunday if things, you know, kind of go according to the way the odds makers or the bookies would love to see it go down. There are some things that can be settled early, Uh, Vancouver plays Colorado Friday night, the only game on Friday night. If Colorado wins, then a lot of suspense is over because there's two spots remaining, and that would only leave one spot as a Vancouver loss would see the Calgary Roughnecks clinch third without having to play their game on Saturday, but they'll play it anyway. And then the other big question mark is, is Georgia going to get in? And... You know, if Vancouver loses their game Friday night, they're going to be out to look to be spoilers for Georgia on Saturday. That's a heck of a road trip, by the way. But if Vancouver wins that game, then that's a must win for both teams because Georgia's trying to hold off Rochester for third, and Rochester's got to play twice. Unfortunately for Rochester, they have to play New England and Saskatchewan back-to-back with the rush being first up on Saturday. We're also trying to see who's going to be first overall. It could be Saskatchewan. They're kind of the favorites. Buffalo has a chance. They've got to win their game and have Saskatchewan lose to Rochester. And New England can get to first overall if they beat Buffalo and Rochester and then have Rochester beat Saskatchewan. So... Nothing is solidified in stone yet, and it just makes me so giddy. Like, like 
I said this last week. I don't know the last time a season went this late with so much to be played for. Because the only things that we know for certain, Buffalo will have a home playoff game. Saskatchewan will host game two of the West semifinal May 21st. I will be there. We also know that the Mammoth will host the West semifinal. They'll host either Vancouver or Calgary on May 7th at the Pepsi Center. Those are the three things we know. Oh, we also know New England's in. Sorry, four things we know. But that's it. Um, We kind of think Daner's going to win the scoring title. We'll talk about that. He's probably, we could, break eighth and Iannucci's scoring record. Sean Evans could get to 130 again. Like, there's so many storylines down the stretch here. Which just makes the National Lacrosse League that much more exciting when the races come right down to the end. Remember a few years ago um, when a lot of fans were bitching and moaning and complaining that the regular season didn't mean anything? Pretty sure the regular season means a lot right now. It has been the tightest year in the history of the National Lacrosse League that I can remember. You know, maybe when there was six teams in the early days, there might have been a few tighter races. But in this new era of the National Lacrosse League, it's the best race I've seen ever. And, you know, like I said, a lot can be decided Friday night if Vancouver loses. But if Vancouver can go into Colorado and beat the Mammoth, They'll have beaten all three Western teams above them in a row and then have to get on a plane, fly to Georgia, and take on the red-hot Georgia Swarm. They're not red-hot. They kind of got cooled off last week. Um, The buzzing, the very dangerous and upcoming Georgia Swarm. And what could be... One of the games of the year. So, the way this Vancouver team is playing is just beyond words right now. The biggest thing, and this is something that Doug Locker stressed to me uh, at the trade deadline when people were questioning him why he wasn't making any moves and you know why he wasn't selling the farm and moving guys and trying to collect draft picks because he honestly believed at the time that he had the team that could be successful. And, yes, he's made some changes to his roster. Two biggest notables was bringing back Tyler Richards and letting Dan Perot go and bringing in Jamie Batley. Those two moves alone have helped turn this team around. And if the Stealth do make the playoffs, does Batley get coach the, some nominations for Coach of the Year? I don't think he can upseed Glenn Clark. But could he be the third coach in the category, along with Eddie Como? I think so. Troy Cordingley's in the conversation with everything he's done with Buffalo. But if Badley can get this Vancouver team into the postseason, when they had lost seven straight with four games to go, like, to go from 4-14... and 14, 
and come in as your first year of a head coach and turn your team around into a first place contending team in the East, which is generally a very tough division. And you could have your team going from four and fourteen to twelve and six. Like that's a great turnaround, like complete one eighty. But to take a team that was three and eleven and have to win out, that's just that's just good stuff right there, and. To go back to my point about Doug Locker, he he felt that his team had what it what it needed to get into the playoffs, but what he stressed was that they weren't healthy. Beers was out, Garrison was out, um, Billings was hurt, Shuss was hurt, Rory Smith was hurt, Tyler Haas was in and out. Like when your team, just like Toronto, gets absolutely decimated with injuries. Now, Toronto's a little bit different because a lot of their injuries were season-ending. Vancouver's problems were guys were having to miss two, three weeks, maybe four or five weeks, but nobody was season-ending. So he was always going to get those guys back. And he, he kept on assuring me. He said, just you wait. When we get our guys back and we, we get a grip on Jamie's system, I think we can do this. And they might have left it a little too late. But you can't argue with the fact that they've won their last two games. They've looked dominant in those two games. They let the rush back in, but, you know, to beat Saskatchewan the way they did, 14-12, jumping out to a 7-1 lead and kind of not coasting but holding on and earning a hard-fought victory. Like, this is a team we haven't seen like this play in years. I just, like, and I I kind of think they can go into Colorado and win. Colorado's not playing very well right now. You know, Adam Jones wasn't in the lineup Friday and they won. Or, sorry, Saturday and they won. I think it might have been a bit of a precautionary reason. I don't know the exact reason, but that's got to be a concern. Junior's getting slower. It's catching up to him. You can tell. He played a lot better on Saturday, but the Rochester, sorry, Colorado was in no real danger of losing that game. And Junior was pushing, and he was going as hard as Junior always does. But it wasn't as if he was getting beat up all game long. But if you're a Colorado team and you have to welcome Vancouver to town, you might be a little worried. I would be. The way Vancouver's playing right now with Rory in the lineup, that's the other massive thing. Like I, Again, the way I feel, I, I, I wish he wasn't playing, but you can't deny the effect that Rory Smith has on the floor and what he brings to a team. Imagine if this team had stayed healthy all year. Just imagine. You know, everyone was, was dogging on this team, me included. I was probably Vancouver's biggest critic all year. I can admit that. But they were 
completely devastated with injuries, and their depth was exposed. That's the biggest thing. When everybody's healthy, this is a great team, but their depth cost them. Unfortunately, you know, Eric Penny wasn't ready. But fortunately, Tyler Richards was. And, you know, he struggled in the early parts when he came back. Understandable. But it's not like he was bad. And he's done a lot to keep his team in games and made some huge saves. And he's kind of toned his game down a bit and just focused on playing goal. What his job is. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see. Like, this game in Colorado, Friday night, it will be on TSN2 for all us Canadians. Uh, 6 o'clock Pacific time, 9 o'clock Eastern. So, you know, uh, I just, I, I can't wait to watch that game Friday because Colorado and Vancouver always play really good games. But Colorado has had Vancouver's number this year. And Callum Crawford is playing at a completely different level than a lot of players in the National Lacrosse League. Now, like, he looked like he was on an and-one mixtape Saturday night against the Rock. The first, the opening two goals that he scored, just, the first one he just threw a massive pump fake and got Rosie out of the way and brought it back short side. The second time he was on a break and was like a long jumper and just leapt himself from about six feet away from the top of the crease and threw another pump fake and went short side. He's just a remarkable lacrosse player. And Vancouver will have to find a way to contain him. And if Adam Jones is in the lineup, they will definitely need to contain him. But the fact that Vancouver is getting evenly balanced offensive contributions from McCready and Dutch and Shuss and even Durson's in there and Corey Small, like their guys are stepping up. And now that Billings is healthy and he's back, now the question is, you know, they're still going 6-6, which is good, you know, but they have to continually rotate those guys through. They're getting guys pushing the ball up the floor. And when you couple that with the confidence that Tyler Richards is distilling in that defense and the new defensive system that Batley and Clay Richardson have them playing, like I said, it's the best we've seen this club play in years. And every time they go up to a test, like I thought they were going to struggle against Calgary two weeks ago at home, they didn't. I definitely thought that Saskatchewan wasn't going to have an issue with them. They did. I want to say that Colorado is going to be able to win their final game at home and, you know, go into the playoffs on a high note. But I don't know. I'd be very I'd be very scared of New England and I'd be very scared of Vancouver. I think the Swarm have a I think the Swarm will get third. I don't see Rochester winning both of those games. And if they get third, they'll be dangerous, but I just don't think they beat New England or Buffalo on the road, whoever they end up playing. Whoever comes in third in the West will, you know, 
if Vancouver finishes third, that means they beat Colorado two weeks before or a week before. If Colorado faces Calgary, they have a terrible track record against against Calgary in the postseason. I, I'm just so excited about this final week. Like I don't know if I can explain it. Um, and the fact that you know, while Dane Smith is most likely going to win the scoring record, and congratulations to Dane Smith for setting a new. National Lacrosse League scoring record with an empty net goal against Rochester. Uh, he said he didn't know that he had tied the record. Um, I don't blame him. Uh, the net's empty. You got a chance to solidify a game. You do it. And he did it with ease. He ran around two guys like they weren't even there. Uh, so he's at 131 points. He's going to win the goal scoring title. Um, with three goals, he'll break Nooch's record of 71 goals, which I don't think didn't think anybody would really get close to. But again... Now that we're playing 18-game schedules, it could be something that we see a little bit more. But Sean Evans is still in this, remarkably. And I, if you get a chance, and I know it's tough because games aren't archived everywhere, but if somehow you can go back and find a link to the New England game against Georgia, just go and watch it from 9-9. Like, it was a great game up until the midway through the third quarter. And Georgia was leading for most of that game. But with, like, six and a half minutes gone in the third quarter, it was 9-9. And then New England just found that other gear. Much like Saskatchewan found another gear against Colorado two weeks ago. And much like Buffalo found another gear against Rochester this past weekend. Like, that was scary, what Sean Evans did this weekend with New England and that whole offense. And, you know, uh, on record a few weeks ago, I've written it and said it on this show that I thought Dane Smith was the MVP. And at the time, he was. At the time, Dane Smith, like three weeks ago, Dane Smith was the MVP. You could give consideration to Sean Evans, but Dane Smith was torching the record books and he was going to be the MVP. I don't know if he is anymore. Like, it is going to be one of the tightest MVP races I think we've ever seen. I don't know what the tightest race is ever because the votes don't really ever get published. So I don't know if there's ever been a year where it was decided by like four votes or eight votes or two votes. But I honestly believe that this vote for MVP, well, actually, I do know. The vote for MVP will be decided this weekend. Most likely Saturday. Because, lo and behold, New England and Buffalo just happen to play each other. And we will get to see the two best players in the National Lacrosse League go toe-to-toe. No disrespect to Callum Crawford or Mark Matthews or Rob Hellier or Curtis Dixon or Reese Dutch, anybody else. The two best players in the National Lacrosse League right now are Dane Smith and Sean Evans, and they will go toe-to-toe. Saturday night in Banditland, and Evie loves playing in Buffalo. Loves it. He actually loves playing Buffalo, period. 
but he's 14 points behind Dane Smith. Now, if somehow, and it happened two weeks ago, that New England can shut down Dane Smith like Toronto did and limit him to just a couple of points, and Sean Evans can keep up the streak that he's been on, Evie can actually catch him for the scoring title. Like, it's not, it's far-fetched that he's going to get 14, 15 more points combined, plus-minus, than Dane Smith. Because he's going to need to pass him to win it, obviously. Hello, math. But he's four, 14 points to tie, 15 points to take the record. And, well... Let's just look at the stats. And when you do, lo and behold, guess what you find out? In his last two games, guess how many points Sean Evans has? 15. That's right. 15 points in his last two games. So that would mean Dane Smith would have to be completely shut out for it to happen. Right? Like, that's the baseline. But every point that Dane Smith gets against New England... Evie's got to better it by one just to keep on pace. So it's not impossible. It's not even unpossible for all you Ralph, Ralph Wiggum fans. But it is possible. I just, I think that one, out of all the things that could happen this weekend, that could be the most unlikely that Sean Evans surpasses Dane for the scoring title. Um, Rochester could win both their games this weekend against Saskatchewan and New England. It could happen. Vancouver could win both games this weekend. It could happen. Again, have I told you how excited I am for this weekend? I just don't get it, man. Like, this is off the chain so good. Um, There are some other records uh, that will probably be broken. I kind of mentioned um, Dane Smith looking to break Ethan Iannucci's record of 71 goals in a season. That's quite likely, although, again, he's got to get three to tie, four for the record. So he could do it, but he's going against New England. So that defense has been pretty good as of late. Uh, Callum Crawford could get to the assist record. He is eight back of Shooter and Evie's 83 set last year. He'd need nine for the record. But the other record that is probably and most likely going to fall that I like and I've talked about a few times is the rookie point record with Randy Stats. He's just one point back of Dutchie's 89 points set back in 2009 when the Stealth were in San Jose. Uh, Stats is officially tied for the most assists by a rookie and with 54. So with one more, he'll take that honor. His rookie teammate, Jesse King, is just actually two assists behind him. So he's on pace to break Dutch's rookie scoring, uh, rookie assist record. Could even take over his teammate, Randy Stats, as well. So there are way too many storylines for one to comprehend heading in to week 18 of the National Lacrosse League. And the one so many people, especially ones out west, are keeping an eye on 
is how the Vancouver Stealth will fare in two more must-win games. But we got to start with Friday. Just got to get it done. If they're going to have any hope, they have to go in and beat Colorado in the Loud House. Joining us now on the show, a man who will look to do all that he can to make that happen. He is number 10 of the Vancouver Stealth. He is going for his second straight 100-point season. He's a Victoria boy, so you know I'm a fan. He is Reese Dutch. Dutchie, how are you, buddy? I'm doing well, Teddy. Thanks. Uh, it's good to have you on. It's been a while since we've had a, a pretty in-depth chat that didn't occur after a game in Moxie's, but uh, the, team's still, the team's still alive, and when you kind of started this season and it was going the way it was, did you ever think that come the final weekend of the National Cross League year, you guys would still be in it? Well, I mean, the first few weeks went okay. I thought, you know, okay, great. The ship's been righted a little bit, and, uh, you know, it's going to be a battle this season. And then we kind of took a turn for the worst there and lost a bunch of games in a row. But, you know, I think it's something to be said for us having our backs against the wall and stringing together a couple of wins here. I mean, especially against, you know, two really good teams. Calgary, mm-hmm. obviously, the team we're chasing. And then, I mean, number one in the West, Saskatchewan. So I think it's, uh, you know, it's it's unfortunate we don't have another week, Teddy, and our, yeah. have our destiny in our own hands. Uh, the, 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 that destiny and that back against you all mentality you guys talk about, but it also goes to show about the character of this team and how nobody has kind of thrown the tent away and said, you know what, let's just focus on next year. Starting from Doug all the way down, everybody's been focused and committed on saying, you know what, we still have the ability to do it this year. Exactly. And I mean, that's kind of, you know, it's been the message from Doug, from the coach, from the new coaching staff, from, from our captain, Haji. Um, you, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a challenge to men, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. what kind of character do we have moving forward through the rest of the season? Yeah, it's a bit of a long shot, but crazier things have happened. And I think we need to play like we're in the playoffs every weekend and so far so good. How important was it to get that quick start against the rush on Saturday? Because you guys have been known for, for having tough starts early in games and you guys raced out to a, a 7-1 lead at 1.72 and you guys kind of rolled from there. Yeah, I mean that was that was actually kind of our main focus. Um, not so much. I, we've always had the energy, but it was more just keeping our heads and, and kind of controlling our emotions. I think uh, maybe three or at least two of the previous games, we've had a five-minute penalty in the first quarter, and that mm-hmm. kind of puts you behind the eight ball, regardless of you know how how intense or what, what kind of pushback you're given. So it was more just keeping our focus and sticking to you know controlling our emotions and giving ourselves a chance to kind of get a lead, get a lead for once. How important is it this weekend uh, going into Colorado to to get that quick start again? Because that's a tough place in an environment to go into and to get a jump. But, you know, you're one of the guys that loves playing there and, and, and everybody kind of really likes playing there because of that energy that's in that building. But how important will it be for you guys to, to kind of put them on the back foot early? Yeah, I mean, obviously everybody wants to get a good start in the game, but I think you know, uh, does Calgary play? They play Saturday, correct? They play Saturday. So I yeah. think so. So Friday is. I mean, it's it's again. It's a still. It's a must win for us. And and there's nothing that, like there's nothing else going on that night that can kind of mm-hmm. dictate our future. So I think and a, a quick start and a good start is very very important. I mean, the atmosphere is awesome, and obviously it's a very heavy Denver, uh, Colorado, sorry, cheering section. But mm-hmm. I, the atmosphere just surrounding the the game of lacrosse is very positive for everybody that's on the floor. Yeah, they're loving their hometown team, but they have a you know they have a very big love for the game, and I think everybody feeds off that. 
your good friend Willie B isn't the announcer there anymore, and he always used to have a little too much fun with your name. But but you've always enjoyed playing there, and that that kind of stuff has always fired you up. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you just take it as a challenge, right? I mean, yeah. You know, I'm not I'm not the kind of guy that's going to go sit in the corner and pout about it. It's going to be a all right, well, I'm going to push back then. And, you know, yeah. I, I mean, personally had some success there over the years, and I think the Stealth, for the most part, have had some pretty darn good success there over the years as well. You guys are, we've talked about, you know, just the character of the guys and pushing towards this final end goal of trying to make the playoffs. And you guys are starting to get full offensive contributions from guys. It's not just you or it's not just Smallsy or Dutch or, sorry, or, or Shuss or whoever it's going to be. Like this weekend, you guys, the four of you, uh, almost like had 24 points between yourself, McCready, and throwing Billings in there and Justin Small. Like you guys, your offense is now starting to click, and then you get your, the rookie Durston working. Is this one of the best offenses the Stealth have had in a long time? Now that you guys are I, healthy, I exactly. I was going to say health. Obviously, staying healthy is a big point. Um, you know, Garrett's battling through a lot of stuff going on with his body, and kudos mm-hmm. to him for doing that. Uh, I, I think so. I mean, you know, it's it's tough to kind of come together in a training camp. Obviously, we all like each other as people, but it really yeah. is playing together in those game like in the game situations that kind of create that that offensive cohesiveness. And and it's it's nice to feel like we're rolling now, and, and it's great to have everybody contributing. So I mean, yeah, it's definitely one of the most well-rounded offenses I've ever played in for sure. And this isn't um, a, a spot to throw Caleb under the bus because I respect him and I know you do too, and so does everybody in that locker room. But what's been the change? Uh, since Jim Milligan started working with your offense? Um, you know, I, I think just kind of pace of play a little bit. I think we've uh, we've kind of – it's it's tough to say, really. I, I don't know. I think it was more just a, the coaching staff change as a whole. It just kind of almost a bit of a wake-up call. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's not – you know, it's nobody's job safe sort of thing. And, and, hey, guys, like, look, you know, they almost kind of took a bullet for us. We better shape up or ship out sort of thing. Right. So I don't think – I mean, obviously they're great coaches and they're knowledgeable, but so is Caleb. I think it's just yeah. been more of a more of an attitude shift in the in the collective whole as opposed to just specific things that are being done differently. What's been the biggest culture change uh, since Batley's come over? Because you know Batley is a night and day compared to what Dan Perot was uh, as as a as a person, as a coach, as a mentor, uh, and as a teacher. What's been the biggest effect that you've seen? Um, you know what I think I think it's a little bit of accountability. Mm-hmm. Um, he's definitely not a guy that, that puts up with anything really. Um, yeah. like, you know, whether it be a guy's a little bit late or a lack of effort in even one drill, I think there's a little, there's more of a, more of a dictatorship atmosphere, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know what, I think for a group, for a group that was struggling such as we are and, and you're looking for kind of motivation and maybe some of the wrong places or, or just places that you don't get when you're just kind of rolling and winning. I think he kind of came in and, you know, kind of created that, uh, you know, like this is how it's going to be done if we want to be successful and you better yeah. buy in or else. And I think that's kind of been the difference. Is, do you see a lot of CH in him? Because from what I've known of Bats and obviously of, of Chris, they are very similar in old school teaching. Yes, but you, I I think that's a great comparison. Um, I think, I yeah, I absolutely. I, that's kind of the answer I have. I think the yeah. the post game bats is able to control himself a little bit better. You know, <laughs> CH is pro- I don't think anybody's ever hated losing more than CH. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, you know, bats kind of tries to put a little bit of a positive spin on it and kind of let's work on these sort of things. But uh, yeah, it's very old school. Very um, you know, very kind of that classic work harder, get out of my face mentality. And I think it's kind <laughs> yeah. of what we needed. Uh, 
you know, it took a while for you guys to get into his system of play. You guys were on that, you know, a, a terrible losing streak where you guys were close but just couldn't get over the hump. What do you think? Has there been a switch that's turned, or is it just finally you guys are getting to put everything in place and now you're all getting healthy that's helped you on this two-game run? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely guys getting back in the lineup. Um, I, th- I mean, they came in and definitely changed the systems a little bit, like the, the big change on the defensive system. Mm-hmm. Um, and then offensively, you know, just small tweaks here and there. And I think, I mean, changes like that, are it takes a while to adjust to them, right? And then you're of kind course. of inserting new players as people get back in the lineup. So it's kind of been a bit of a transition period. And it's kind of, and it's just unfortunate. Like I said, maybe, you know, maybe two games earlier, they came in and started making these changes and we'd be in a little bit of a different position. Uh, speaking of players who have gotten healthy and come back and made an effect, uh, I tweeted out during the game on Saturday night that the Rory effect was real. Um, oh, man. Couldn't, and, couldn't agree more. Yeah, and you've you played with them, you've played against them, and, you know, uh, health issues aside, how imperative has it been to have him back in your lineup, kind of patrolling the yard, as it were? I, 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 don't, I think he's a game changer. He's, a, he's the kind of player that is irreplaceable and i mean you're seeing it right the two games Mm -hmm. he's played in we've won um you you know you're out there as an offensive player on the other team and you always know where he is you're always aware yeah um he's just so effective and uh i mean it's it's just it's it's a blessing in disguise well i guess not in disguise to have him back for sure and he's he's pretty quiet in the locker room isn't he like he's not a he's not a big raw raw guy he just let me put my helmet on grab my stick and go to work Totally. I mean, you know what? He's actually been a little more vocal this year than he ever has been. Um, yeah. like, you know, whether that it was his way of kind of still making an impact or not. But um, I think, you know, he's when he speaks up, it's normally to put you in your place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, let's not get too happy here, guys. We're still four and 11. And, you know, right. Let's let's make sure we get our We keep our hard hats on sort of. He's that sort of guy. You know, he's he's humble and he's, he wants to yeah. make sure we all stay that way, too. It's crazy to think that, you know, for a guy that has sort of been, quote-unquote, known for fighting, but he's won, won three straight mans and a, and a world championship and is probably one of going to go down as one of the better defenders ever to play this game, even though people don't give him the credit he probably deserves. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know what? In his younger days, maybe some decision-making cost him, and, and I maybe in that kind of defensive role sort mm-hmm. of thing. But as he's matured, I, I mean, he can't – can't say enough for his work ethic and his effect out there, right? Like when he hits yeah. you, it hurts. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, I, I, I mean, I, I would agree. I, I'm definitely, in my books, for whatever they're worth, I definitely would put him in as one of the best defenders ever, um, just from having played against him and now with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, another guy that's back and, and and could be an MVP almost candidate for what he's done for you guys has been Tyler Richards. And, you know, there was some rumblings that when he was going to come back that maybe – uh, he wasn't going to be welcome with open arms and, and if it was going to be the right decision or if they're actually going to bring him back because they waited right to the end of his evaluation period. But what has he meant to you guys since coming back? You know, I think, I mean, he has, he's had his struggles since he's come back as well. I think yeah. it was kind of, a, it was a, it was a kind of an, um, I don't, I don't really, I don't really know how to describe the situation. There was definitely sort of lines drawn right from the beginning and yeah. things are going to be different than they used to be. And he accepted that and the team accepted that. And I mean, off the floor, obviously everybody loves him as a guy. So it was kind of, it was easy to welcome into the locker room. Um, and I think, I mean, last game was just a testament, right? Like when TRH yeah. is on, TRH is on and he's just been huge for our team. You know, it gives you that confidence as a defense to be able to kind of buy into your systems when you know you're going to get the saves that you need. 
And it, it makes it gives everyone that confidence from T. Rich out, right? Like you guys don't have to worry as much because you know he's going to be there to make that save when needed. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and and you know what? He'll be there to bail you out if you make a mistake too. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't mind giving a chop or two either. <laughs> yeah, we've had that was one of the conversations. <laughs> that was one of the conversations. No five-minute penalties yeah. this year, T. Rich. Yeah. Stay in your net. <laughs> Throw the ball, make the save, don't chop anybody. Now, that was kind of what brought up the whole Brandon Miller thing in the Toronto game, wasn't it? That he gave Steph LeBlanc a chop and, and Miller wasn't too happy, so the bump kind of happened after the game. Yeah, I mean, I, well, <laughs> Miller grabbed his stick from like behind his back and like spun him around, and then I don't know. I, honestly, it's lacrosse, man. I, yeah. I didn't really understand the whole situation. If I got mad every time somebody slashed me, I'd be fighting my entire career. So it's just kind of like, what? Get over it. But yeah, and that's not whatever. Your thing. It's just not my thing. That's not your thing. Um, we kind of talked about this earlier, but what do you think's been the biggest change? You know, from from week four or five when you guys were struggling to to now when you guys are playing some of your best lacrosse you played in years. Um, I, I mean, we've kind of touched on it a little bit over the yeah. thing. I think it's just offensively, we're all kind of gelling together and we trust each other and we kind of are starting to understand where each other likes to play and, and finding, finding those seams. So it's, you know, it's not so much of a learning curve anymore as opposed to just kind of getting into the play. And I think, um, I think just the new, the new systems, right. They've, uh, yeah. we, we've gotten younger on defense health wise. I think, you know, unfortunately Wagner rolled his ankle, but he's been a heck of a player coming in yeah. and just kind of changing the culture of our defense, right. That fast fast play mentality mm-hmm. um, and sort of, and guys like that. So I think it's been just playing a little bit faster, but you know, when we've tried to do that in the past, we might've been a little bit more unorganized. And I think now we're kind of playing a fast and more organized game and it's been really right. beneficial. Um, he, he won't get a lot of hype for rookie of the year, but how good Jordan Durston been? He's been great. I think, I mean, he works so well over there with Corey and Logan. Um, you know, when Logan was out of lineup, he, he struggled a little bit, and then when Logan came back, it kind of showed out while they were working together. And I mean, he scored mm-hmm. just some just some big goals and big games that you don't you don't ex- like. It's great to have a rookie that can do that, but you'd never expect it out of one. Yeah, and I think yeah. he's just kind of proven himself as just being a quiet, confident player. And it's I mean, what a what a great pickup. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, speaking of rookies who have pretty good seasons, uh, you had one your rookie year with 89 points when the Stealth were in San Jose, and now Randy Stats is on the verge. Uh, of breaking your rookie record and, and I know you kind of wanted to see it stand for a little while longer but uh when you put it when you put it in per, into perspective and and you haven't seen George yet you'll see them uh, on Saturday but you know when you look at what Randy's doing how impressive is it I mean it's great I, I got I got a chance to play with the kid and get to know him when I was out in Six Nations there for a year mm-hmm. and I, I mean he's an awesome player he was great at Syracuse and he's doing I mean he's doing amazing things this rookie year so you know I'm happy for him I mean the whole like all the records are getting broken scoring wise yeah. in the league just because of changes, and I'm pretty sure that the, rec- the record that I broke, I had, I had an extra couple games to break it too. So it's, right. it's kind of it's the nature of the beast, and I'm actually more probably more surprised it's lasted this long. And yeah. I mean, kudos to the kid because he's he's I mean he's changed that the dynamic of that offense for sure. They're playing really really well together and scoring a lot of goals, and I think Absolutely. he's a huge part of it. And it's good to see your uh, Victoria buddy Kinger doing well down in Georgia. Yeah. As well. I mean that's not surprising. He's a great no. player. He's he's always going to be a great player. Um, let's get put you on the hot seat real quick. Uh, who's your MVP of the league? Dane Smith or Sean Evans or somebody else? Uh, I I I was actually thinking about that this week. Yeah. I mean Dane's Dane's been amazing. I, you, like yeah. it's it's incredible to see. But I think like you you Sean Evans has literally turned a team around. Like, yeah. Absolutely. You know what I mean. 
Crowley's, I mean, Crowley's having a great year, but he's playing off of him. I think Buchanan, yeah, he's an, he's an awesome player, but again, it's kind of made better by Sean. I guess it's that's a really tough call. I think you look at the numbers, and Dane's obviously kind of the front runner there. But it, you got to if you look at the big picture, it's absolutely. I wouldn't want to be the one picking it. I'm not going to pick. It's between those <laughs> guys in my mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's it's it, it's. I mean, I, it, it's pretty amazing what Sean's gone down in New England and done. Let's just say that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, you, you've had a pretty lengthy career with the South organization. You're drafted third overall. Uh, and, and ever since you've just been kind of building your resume and building your resume and this year, you passed, uh, 300, 400 and 700 point barriers. Uh, you're going to break your single season record for points this year and everything's just going your way. But when you look back at your career, how impressed are you that, that you've been so successful? Uh, I mean, I don't know about impressed. I'm not well, you can be I, impressed with yourself. Come on, it's okay. <laughs> you don't have to be modest. Not on a podcast, I can't tell you. <laughs> That's at Moxie's. <laughs> um, no, I mean, honestly, you know, every guy that you ask that question is going to say it's a testament to his teammates, but it really yeah. is. I mean, I can't yeah. I can't say that I go out there every night and just call for the ball in the corner, ISO every time, and just jam yeah. the ball at the net. I mean, I've, I've been the benefit of a lot of plays drawn up, a lot of coaching drawing plays drawn up yeah. for me. Um, you know, it's just kind of, it's your job, right? I mean, yeah. you can, you, you look at greatest players in the world getting loose balls, you know, like you, you throw Jim, like the Veltman's out there and guys like yeah. that are considered some of the greatest players. And it's not because they got a thousand points. It's because they got a million loose balls. So it's yeah. guy, you know, you go out there and do your job. Doug didn't hire me for my defensive prowess. He hired me to get points and I've just been able to do that over my career. Uh, you had a pretty good summer. Um, we talked a bit about Rory and, 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 um, and Jesse King and yourself, and you guys are Man Cup champions. Um, how special was that, um, having been close before, and also to win it in your hometown? Oh, amazing. I mean, like, that's just something. I've, you know, I've, I've grown up watching you win them, growing up watching, you know, Victoria win, and it's just kind of, it's not like it's something that I kind of just traveled to a team and, and joined on and won. It's, it's kind of been a goal. Every young Victoria lacrosse players, that's their first goal, right? I mean, you don't yeah. grow up saying, I can't wait to win the Champions Cup. I can't wait to win a Man Cup. Yeah. So it's, it's, it was kind of – it was very surreal. And, I mean, having my kid the same week, it's definitely yeah. something I won't forget. Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, how, how, like, stressed out were you during that whole process? Because you're playing in, in one of the toughest series out there after everything you've done all summer – Plus, you're about to, you know, Jenna's about to have a, your first little kid and, and all that stress adds on and, and lack of sleep and, and stress of playing the Man Cup. Like, were you ready for a month vacation when it was all said and done? Yeah, but uh, yeah, I definitely was. Unfortunately, the real estate business doesn't allow for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, you know what? I, I don't want to say that I was stressed. Jenna yeah. was such a trooper through it and really took so much pressure off me, and I owe her a lot for that. Um, but I mean, you know, we, it was after we, we got smoked in game two there, went right to the hospital, had a kid and then I slept in a chair for the rest of the man cup. So it was kind of a, you know, it wasn't the healthiest week of my life for rest wise, but I mean, it was (laughs) kind of, you playing on adrenaline at that point, right? You know, you can't let the boys down because they're relying on you and you also can't let your family down because so are they. And it was, I mean, it was just, you know, it's managing your emotions and managing your expectations and kind of just using all the awesome people around you. That, that moment of you with Finn, uh, and Jenna with the cup will probably be a, a memory that sits with you forever. But is there something else about that man cup series that will kind of stick out for you? Um, you know what? I think, well, I mean, obviously that's going to be the biggest memory, but there was just a point 
in the Man Cup, and I th- it was after Game Three, and I I mean or Game Three, Game maybe Game Four, either one. <laughs> but uh, there was just a point where you could just tell the guys were like, "All right, enough is enough." Yeah. And we just kind of it, it almost just felt like you just kind of everybody came together, and it didn't matter what we had to do, we were going to win that thing. And I just remember like looking around the locker room and just that kind of feeling of almost security. Yeah. I was like, you know what, we're going to face some hardships, but this group of guys is going to do it. And I just, I, I, I'll never forget that looking around the locker room feeling. It was really cool. Um, is Ryan Dokes the best defender in lacrosse right now? I, yeah, I mean, it'd not be tough to put to anybody otherwise. in your own team behind, but like behind them. No, but, no, I, yeah. I, I seriously, I mean, it'd be, it'd be tough to argue otherwise. You know, yeah. I mean, you could, you could say arguably, but I mean, you, you name anybody else and put them beside them. I, yeah. you, you're not going to make a case that's going to cleanly beat Ryan. I'll tell you that. Um. You've now won a world championship in indoors, a man cup, and a national crossing championship. What's next for Reese Dutch? Well, I wouldn't mind adding to those totals. A couple more yeah, rings, there you that's go. for sure. Yeah. Well, you're going to get a wedding ring eventually, so that'll be four. Yeah, 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 I yeah. am. A couple months here. Less than a couple months. Teddy. <laughs> Sorry, man. I'm not trying to you know, freak you out or anything. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> uh, how, let, let's go there. How are wedding plans going? Are you the typical um husband in waiting just letting her do all the work or are you having some uh, no i mean i you know you know i'm the, the standard i'll put the money in the account and spend it how you <laughs> wish honey uh yeah but uh she uh no she's just she's a very very organized person and i think yeah. the more involved i try to become the more annoyed she gets so i just kind yeah. of i go to the meetings when she asks me to and i <laughs> yeah yeah. I do in all the right things. She hasn't gotten out of me go. yet. Uh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I was the, the most involved person, or you would just end up being a kegger in the backyard. <laughs> <Yeah. somewhere. laughs> um, uh, Lewis, kind of, people that don't know, uh, you guys had your stag party a couple weeks ago, and, and you went up to Whistler. And Lewis kind of ruined the surprise of where you were going, didn't he? No, he didn't. I just made him feel bad. I'd heard whispers <laughs> in the wind anyways, but I definitely got him. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I had a pretty good feeling where we were going. I'd kind of yeah. heard people talking about it, but uh, yeah. I definitely wanted to call him out there. Yeah, he'd posted on Facebook, oh, I can't wait for the road trip for Reese's Stag and Whistler. And your <laughs> response was, sweet, we're going to Whistler? <laughs> it was just so good. And I texted him, like, way to ruin the surprise. And he goes, I didn't know. I didn't know that he didn't know. It felt so bad. I know. I, I told him that he didn't ruin it eventually, but I let him sweat for a little bit. We don't have to go into, the, into all the details because we all know the rules of, of stag parties. But it was a, it was a good time with you know high school buddies and, and a lot of your lacrosse guys and and family and friends. Yeah, it was definitely a good blend. There's about ten of us that made it up there. Some lacrosse buddies, some newer friends. You know, kind of made through my relationship with Jenna and then lacrosse guys. Like it was a it was definitely a good time. We we managed to stick together as a group. Nobody got in any battles. It was uh, you know no harm no foul sort of there you go. party. I don't think it could have gone any better. It was a pretty nice Sunday. How about that? Monday. Monday <laughs> oh, was the best. Oh, Monday was the best. I can only imagine. Um, and we'll leave couple, it at that. Yeah, and we'll leave it at that. A uh, couple questions for you uh, before we let you go. Uh, how is the real estate you know, realm working for you? Uh, you've started it, and Lewis has quickly followed in your footsteps. Um, and that's just an a, a industry that a lot of people are getting involved in, especially out here on the island. Yeah, I mean it's I mean it's crazy. We we're set last month we sold the most there was the most transactions in real estate history ever in Victoria. So it's wow. just it's a crazy it's a crazy crazy market. Um I mean this month last year was was crazy and we're already 20% more than that. Wow. So I mean it's keeping me busy. It's it's a great time. I mean I'm I'm working with Jim, the owner of the Shamrocks and his son mm-hmm. and and that's kind of 
you know, been a great door open for me. So it's kind of, I jumped into an already busy sort of business and right. I mean, it's definitely filling my weeks. I bet it is. I bet it is. What's, what's the hardest part of being a real estate agent? You know, I, it's, it's tough. I mean, it's a very, very social job and that's the best part, but yeah. there's just, you know, some people suck, Teddy. <laughs> <laughs> that's very true. It's not the I most pleasant to deal with. And yeah, it's, that's kind of the hardest part hard. is managing expectations and trying to keep your emotions out of it. Let's say that. That's yeah. the proper way to put it. There you go. That's the politically correct way to say yeah. it. Um, do you get a lot of calls and referrals off of last name Shamrock uh, reputation? Uh, you know what? Maybe not as many as I'd like. We'll yeah. see moving forward. I think we're going to put some more effort into the advertising this way. I mean, it definitely, uh, it's definitely got the word out there a little bit, but it's not like yeah. it's not like people are just going to the store to buy houses. It's yeah. got to be ready and willing. So there's definitely been some contact through it, and and you know it, it definitely kind of builds a reputation within the business. You know, oh, you're the lacrosse guy, so you kind of yeah. you, people are kind of know who you are before they talk to you. Yeah, I remember the first time I saw my brother's big head on the side of a bus and it freaked me out what did you think when you saw yourself on the back of uh, of a city cruiser <laughs> you know what to be honest i haven't even seen it yet oh really <laughs> yeah i've heard about it and i told me that it was going to be there but yeah. it seems always kind of be over in like the shelburne like the areas that i'm not really i don't really frequent so i haven't even well, you got to branch yet. out man branch yeah out. well if you see it can you please send me like send me I will. a snap I will, or I will i will i will snap you a picture um <laughs> final question and please don't say me because i know it's not true um, oh. Who was your favorite Shamrock growing up? Because you kind of missed the Gate Marichuk era, and you were kind no, of no. I watched them. I was there. You, you, I was you there, still for, there for a bit of that. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, I guess I guess um, late in the like ninety seven, ninety nine, you were yeah, exactly. Now, but they had just come back. But did you have a did you have a guy that you really liked? I, you know what? I just out of a memory, I feel I really liked Chris Pratt. I just, yeah, well, you should have seen him at the alumni game this weekend. Very, he still had it, it, eh? Oh, yeah, it's like seven goals. It doesn't surprise me. Yeah, you no. know what? I just I love it. He never stops. He yeah. always you get a big one here and there. And I think it was I'd have to say Chris Pratt. Yeah, he he was phenomenal, and and he still hasn't changed. He's he's a, he's won a man. He's won a Minto. Uh, he's a phenomenal cross player. And yeah, he was he was in rare form this Friday night at the Shamrock Alumni Game, and and it was a, it was a good time to see all the boys out. And and sooner or later you will be one of those members. But we did convince Benny McCullough and P- Pyres to play with us, so it kind of helped. Oh, us. he did. Yeah, we needed some extra fresh bodies, so it helped. <laughs> Fair enough. It's a good um, workout. Yeah, you guys have uh, two massive games this weekend. Uh, you'll probably, what, leave Wednesday or Thursday for Colorado? Yeah, we leave Thursday. Thursday. And uh, it's it's do or die because Friday is the most important game of the year. What's the message from Bats? Uh, pretty much just that. You know, he, yeah. he gave us a you know, solid night. Make sure you're preparing all week for that game Friday night because it's your lives that are on the line. Yeah. Um, and I think the guys took that to heart. They uh, they've been doing a good job of getting us film clips during the week, and you know we obviously have our meetings and things before practice, or I guess this week will be after practice, um, and just kind of keeping our focus on Colorado because I mean if you focus on anything else, it's going to be the end of the line here. So Absolutely. it's just really I mean you know what we win and it puts the pressure on Calgary. Mm-hmm. I know they're playing a you know a hurting Toronto team right now, but like I said, crazier things have happened, and teams love to play the spoiler. So I'm hoping that they want to play the spoiler this weekend. Well, buddy, uh, you guys are hitting the stride at the right time, and that's the best thing going into a playoff push. So keep up the good work, and I appreciate you giving us some time, and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Good luck this weekend. Yeah, no problem, Teddy. Thanks for having me, man. One of the nicest guys you'll ever get to talk to, Reese Dutch. Um, We jokingly joked, jokingly joked? We jokingly joked um, about the old Willie B situation in Colorado, and I don't need to get into that, but 
they would often make fun of Reese Dutch's last name. Let's just put it that way. And whenever they would start to do it, you could just see Reese just kind of smirk to himself, be like, "Eh, I'm good. I'm gonna score, go score a goal," and he usually would. And they never learned. Dutchie just loves playing there. Uh, so appreciate Dutchie coming on and chatting with us. Uh, you know, as I said, he's a Victoria guy, so it's always good to see Victoria players doing well. And there is a great group of upcoming Victoria players on their way. And last Friday at the Victoria Shamrocks alumni and the John Crowther Memorial game, we got a great opportunity to see some of these young guys who are going to be the next Reese Dutches, Carson Leungs, Jesse Kings of the National Lacrosse League. One of them is Jesse King's younger brother, Marshall. He's away at school, so he wasn't there. But guys like Matt Hamilton, Max Cullen, Brad McCulley, and the list really does go up. Matt Hamilton is another one. Guys that are really, you know, one thing I noticed, and this is with all kids of this age group, uh, junior and even the kids in intermediate, they're bigger and faster and stronger than ever before. A lot of that has to do with the fact that these kids are playing in um, specialized academies. Uh, they're dedicating themselves to be going to school in the United States on NCAA scholarships. All these things can only help the product on the floor. And I talked about this last week about guys like King and Stotts and Westberg, for that matter, uh, of guys that put their four years in U.S. colleges and because of that, they get a little bit of extra time playing junior and senior ball before they become NLL players. And that makes them pro-ready, as they say. Well, all that making them pro-ready makes them just phenomenal athletes at the intermediate and junior levels because they're doing things that when I was in junior and intermediate, we didn't have. You know, we didn't have dedicated programs like Claremont or like The Hill or Edge or Evolve Lax or Nationwide. Any of these, you know, whether they be school programs or whether they be academies or whether they be travel teams or camps, or anything, none of that really existed in Canada in the early 2000s or in the 90s even. That stuff didn't happen. We used to have to go to like the top 205 in the U.S. on the East Coast if anybody wanted to see us because coaches weren't coming here. Well, now, with the success of the Claremont program that's run by Darren Rizek and Chris McKay, both former uh, Shamrocks and former National Lacrosse League players, both were at the alumni game this weekend, they have done such a remarkable job with the Claremont Academy and all the players that they're sending to schools. They now have a BC's best lacrosse camp in June where like 30 of the top U.S. college coaches and more come out here for just like one day of lacrosse to see BC's best, as it were. And that never happened. And so when we were playing in this game on Friday and we played a, a Sanitz Midget A team the Victoria Junior Shamrocks and the Victoria Intermediate Shamrocks, I, I was just marveled uh, at the shape these kids are in, 
at the commitment they're giving to the game and the ambassadors that they are going to be for not only Victoria Lacrosse, but for the sport in general. So um, the Crowder game was fantastic. Chris Pratt could still play in the National Lacrosse League. He was lighting up kids like it was no big deal. And I know it's kids, but the guy is in his mid-40s and he's in as good a shape as he's ever been. And he just made it look easy. But it was great to see uh, a lot of my old teammates, Darcy Berthune, we talked about Chris McKay, uh, Tyler Hebner, Noah Talbot, Ryder Bateman, Kelly Hall, Bucky Stobart, Matt King was out, who's now a Victoria police officer. Uh, Nick Collison was there. And then, of course, the guys that I grew up watching of my brother's era. So my brother and, and Grant Hamilton, sorry, John Hamilton, Grant was working, uh, another Victoria police officer, Chris Pratt, Darren Rizek, Bruce Alexander, Devin Delete, Marty O'Neill was there, and just the legends um, that are there. And one thing that kind of was circulated around our group was how other alumni of other teams are jealous that we do something like that. The funny thing is, the reason the Victoria Shamrocks alumni kind of started was because I was jealous of what New West had when I was living in Vancouver and going to New Westminster Salmon Belly games. And seeing all the alumni at the games. And maybe I didn't see it as much because most of the time I was playing or I was in the announcer's booth calling games here in Victoria. But even even still, they were having events and alumni were always out and they were visible at games. And you never really saw that in Victoria. You would see guys around, but it had kind of petered off. And so that was the main reason I wanted to kind of get this alumni, alumni started. And the help of, of Walt Christensen and my brother and Ziggy and Rob DeZormo and Chris McKay and a whole bunch of other people to put this group together and to put on the event and, and to recognize John Crowther's life. And his, and Betty Crowther was there, his mom, who's 95 years old, and she's just the sweetest old lady. And then to honor the 83-man cup team, like it was just, it was a really cool night. And I hope all alumni associations can do something like this. You don't have to play a game, but just... Get the groups together. Get your guys together and reunite. Even just have a barbecue or a burger and beer night at a restaurant and just open it up to alumni and see who comes and just start get guys gathering for golf tournaments and, and barbecues before WLA games, things like that. Because, you know, when we when I was younger and all the guys in the National Cross League we were younger, you know, we looked up to those guys that were playing and that are now alumni. And it was always cool to see those guys come back and watch, whether I was in junior or intermediate or even playing for the seniors, when you would see those old fellas still kicking around and still supporting the team. And that's one of the reasons why I go and watch intermediates and junior games all the time because it's the next product, man. And, you know, I sat down with Cole Pickup. It was a name I didn't mention uh, when I was kind of talking about the upcoming Victoria Shamrocks. But Cole Pickup is... Uh, two-sport stud. He plays for the Victoria Grizzlies, a Tier 2 hockey team here in town, as well as the Junior Shamrocks. And, and he and I had a great talk after the game, and he's just, you know, just, like I said, great kids um, with good upbringings and, and understand where this game is going and was a fantastic outing, and I wish all the Victoria teams as much success. The Intermediates were provincial champions last year. Victoria Junior Shamrocks are looking to try to break into the top two of New West and, and Coquitlam and maybe outseed Delta to get into a, a higher playoff seed in the BC Juniors, maybe make it to the Minto. So 
Um, I'm a proud Victoria guy. Everybody knows that. And uh, it was just an incredible event and something that I was um, extremely, extremely proud to be a part of. Before we get out of here, uh, we are running you know, a little long today, but sometimes that happens. Um, like you kind of said, this is the final weekend, so there are some big games, and we touched on a lot of those. But last week was a first in the National Lacrosse League, and, and now the Vancouver Stealth have kind of jumped on board a little bit. Um, we all know how huge social media is. Um, I'm a massive socials freak. Sometimes people can't stand how much I'm on my phone, but hey, I'm sorry. I'm intrigued by it all. I'm a people watcher, so social media is just right up my alley. But for the first time, the National Lacrosse League was on Snapchat. I, I, I guess you've, like, I don't know how that works. I, I don't know, maybe the NLL called up Snapchat and said, hey, could you do a Snapchat story on the Colorado-Toronto game? And sure as heck they did. Said, I'm not sure how that all came about, but you know, you, if you're on Snapchat, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't know what Snapchat is, I'm apologize. I apologize. But it was kind of cool, you know, to go through and there it says National Lacrosse League, or I think it said Box Lacrosse or Indoor Lacrosse. I can't remember what it said, but it was you know a minute long or minute and a half long uh, of snaps, upwards of 11 seconds. That's how it works. And, you know, there was fan videos and filters and, and all those little things you could do. So it was pretty cool. And, and the Mammoth are on Snapchat now. Now the Vancouver Stealth have gotten a Snapchat thing. And it's just, you know, it's a slow progression of getting yourself out there and marketing to your people and marketing properly to the market that you want. I didn't say that anywhere as poetically as I thought it was going to sound in my head. Um you know, if lacrosse fans are the now generation, you know, 20 year, 19 to 35, 45-year-olds, that's your real demographic. That's the word I wanted. I wanted a demographic. But that's your real demographic. Male, female, 19 to 45. That's a big group, but those are people that are making money, and those are people that are buying beers. Therefore, people you want at your lacrosse game. They're also on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat. And so when you can market to your demographic and you can portray to them on a level that intrigues them and gets them interested and aware, then you're doing good things. And, you know, we've talked about at length the great job that the Mammoth do. This was another example, but, you know, stuff that Buffalo does and stuff that Calgary does. You know, those three teams, they have NLL backing, so they have people who can do those things and they have more people in the capacity, I get it. But it's not hard to create a catchy Instagram post instead of the same thing that we see from every team. You know, there's some teams do it well, other teams don't, but we can all learn. And now one team that is slowly really creating a nice little niche for themselves and a nice little uh, marketing strategy is the New England Black Wolves. And Max Lax, I believe is his name. And he's a little bobblehead that they have. And you, you can see their commercials whenever the Black Wolves are playing or sometimes when other teams are playing, whether it's Fox Sports Go or um, TSN Go or wherever you're watching the game, you see the little ads that go through. Well, they got a new one out. And 
It stars Bill O'Brien, and you know, it just it just fits with everything that they're trying to do, and it's just done really well. And this may not translate well over audio, but you can go to their Facebook page, and I think it's on their Twitter account as well. Uh, the video with Bill O'Brien, and it's just it's just really well done. And here it is. That's Bill O'Brien, the 6'4", weight room smashing, right hook throwing, metalhead enforcer. I'm actually a big Taylor Swift fan. Uh, right. Taylor Swift loving enforcer of the Black Wolves. He's ready for the playoffs. Are you? Shake it off. Uh, gets me going too. Simple, not too flashy, but effective. And it's just, a, it's a really cool and really done, well done commercial. You know, they've stuck with this bobblehead for most of the year. And he's been a part of their marketing campaigns uh, since day one this year. And it's just, it's just really well done. And um, I, I want to see everybody kind of get on that page. And, you know, we need to start acting as a league. And everybody from players to fans to broadcasters to team personnel to front office staff, to league staff, everybody. We have to start acting like a professional league, like a professional business, like a professional organization, like a professional sport. And everything that we do that we want eyes to be on has to be the best that it can be. Truth be told, this one-hour podcast takes me like two and a half hours. Sometimes I snort or cough or burp or I swear by accident or I say something stupid. And I have the luxury of going back and doing things. All these teams can do that as well. Everybody can go back and listen or look at something that they've done before posting it and say, you know what? That's not up to snuff. That's not where we want it to be. Let's try it again. There's no need for immediacy in social media posts Unless it's like world-breaking news and you are completely accurate in everything that you're doing and it's 142 characters and less and bang, it's done. Like when you're taking Facebook videos or Snapchat videos or doing interviews for halftime segments or whatever, it's okay to take two takes, three takes, four takes. And it's like this podcast. When I record something, I'll go back and delete it if something doesn't sound right. I have that ability. They could have reshot that interview. You know, if you're putting out an Instagram post and it's all blurry and makes no sense, retake the picture or reshoot the video. But we got to everybody collectively from the way we handle ourselves on the floor, off the floor, the way we conduct our interviews, the way we portray our players, the way we play the game, the way we, everything. Everything needs to be stepped up and present it on a professional platform and a professional level. And that's going to do it for this week on Off the Crossbar. It is the final countdown. The final countdown. That's right. It is the final countdown. It is the last weekend of the National Lacrosse League's 2016 regular season, and it is going to be a doozy. And it all starts Friday night, TSN 2 in Canada, I believe ESPN 3, in the United States, it's Vancouver in Colorado, a must-win for the South if they want the season to continue. 
It technically will continue the next day, but the game will not mean as much if they don't beat the map. It is going to be an absolute cracker of a weekend. My name is Teddy Jenner, at Off the Crossbar on Twitter. Teddy.Jenner at gmail.com is the email. Let me know, and I would love to hear from you. Enjoy it. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks for reset for stopping by. We'll talk to you in a week's time. Be excellent to each other.